Welcome to Telltale, the podcast where marketers can learn from interviews with fantastic storytellers. On this week's show... Sheep never realizes a wolf around until it's too late. And they do exactly what the wolf expects them to do. They run into each other, they fall down, they become dinner. Time to eat. That little piece of dramatic action is The Wolf, starring Christian Slater, a piece of content marketing from tech giant Hewlett Packard. We'll be discussing the good things and the not so good things about that. Also coming up, our special guest is Jock Fairweather, the El Capitano founder and director of co-working space Little Tokyo 2 here in Brisbane. We'll also be asking Jock his biggest white lie, the best one he's ever told. All that and more coming up on the Telltale Podcast. Okay, welcome to Telltale. I'm your host, Kurt Sanders, and with me for the very first episode one is Brittany Dreghorn. Good morning, Kurt. How are you going? Very good. That's good, that's good. Today we're coming to you from the capital, which is Brisbane's innovation hub in the CBD on Queen Street. Um, I must say, it's pretty damn sleek. Uh, there are very interesting people doing incredible things completely surrounding us and I feel a little bit inadequate I must admit because <laughs> they're doing amazing things um, but on today's show the reason we're here is because we're talking to the director and founder of co-working mini empire slash startup hub space Little Tokyo 2 Jock Fairweather um, we'll be hearing about the stories that have made Little Tokyo 2 such an attractive place for businesses to thrive um, and seeing this is episode one of Telltale uh, we're going to have a regular segment called The Little Why Lie so Jock's going to be the first one to drop an absolute beast on us of um, the best Little Why Lie he's ever told so we're looking forward to that one um, but first obviously we're going to start with um, our content marketing news of the week and Brit the wolf Hewlett Packard it's huge it's huge the wolf himself <laughs> the wolf himself is amazing um background on this Hewlett Packard which is a, a gigantic obviously well-known IT slash everything tech firm um, have put out a mini movie called the wolf starring Christian Slater who Coincidentally, was in an interview with the vampire and played, and I quote from IMDb, easily fooled security guard in Austin Powers. So that's a that's another. He's the perfect character. <laughs> it's a roll of note. This. It's a roll of note. But look, this movie that Hewlett Packard have put out is an incredible piece of content marketing. Um, it's it is about printer security. It is, and it's fantastic because it educates the viewer about exactly what is at risk in their business. And it also is so entertaining that you can't look away. It's so, so entertaining. At the end of it, you're like, okay, this is this could happen to me. And I really <laughs> enjoyed watching that. I'm so confused. I find it incredible that it's actually about printer security. Like, that sounds exactly. like the most boring thing ever, but they've turned it into a, a literal mini motion picture. Incredible skylines, amazing, amazing effects. Like, the production value is incredible. Yeah, look, it's six minutes. I suggest you go have a look at it. Um, if I was to give it any kind of negative, I could tell by the end I was being sold to. Yeah, but the I didn't positive... like the call to action at the end. I don't think they needed it. I no. think the logo at the end was enough. Sure, sure. The, the positive about it was though at the end, I didn't actually care that I was being sold to. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't care at all. It because was... you learned so much. Yeah, and I was entertained. I actually really enjoyed as well the intent of the person, um, Christian, in it when he just said, because I can. Because I think a lot of people would think, oh no, I'm not at risk of that because why would anyone want to steal our data or for whatever reason? And he just mentions their intent, like, because I can. So that's just 
that's enough of a reason. Yeah. If someone knows how to do it, they can do it. It's incredible. So I suggest you check it out. Um, also, I think it will make you look at your little Canon inkjet in the corner and rip it out of the wall because <laughs> I, I, I was truthfully scared about it. Um, but yeah, fantastic piece of content marketing. Really great. Um, all right, let's move on. We are here sitting with the director and founder of Little Tokyo 2, Jock Fairweather. Jock, welcome to Telltale. Guys, what's up? Thanks for having me. No. I'd rather um, El Capitano, but oh, you can fresh. stick with director and whatever. It's just all a bit fancy. So for many me. titles. But El Capitano, that's not tying in with Little Tokyo 2 at all. I didn't start it. <laughs> what happened? It's just casual, so I'm just happy with it. I can't even remember, to be honest, but I think when we, when we first ever started, I was trying to create something really serious and because of my past I had I have a pretty incredible wardrobe so I used to wear lots of suits and and so on and and to be honest uh, when I used to come into the spaces people treated me differently it was kind of like the bosses walking in stop talking and so on uh, and so as you can see today I'm wearing like flower pants and a Cahill shirt or and loafers when I dress like this and I walk into our spaces what's really important is that it's not, it's non-hierarchical. So no one looks at me like the boss here. I'm just another person here doing my thing. Uh, and most importantly, people don't ask me the hard questions. They ask me the questions I love, which are, how could I do this? What's a better way to do this? Could you help me with this? Uh, and it's my absolute pleasure. I that's think that's it. integral for this kind of space, especially, right? Yeah, 100, 100%. Mm. Um, I've seen plenty of spaces that have their branding like absolutely everywhere on every cup and every wall and things like that but I think what's really important is that as a company we can promote the individuality of each of the people within our space and that's why we, we give them custom posters and whatever they want to decorate uh, in fact just going off what you said earlier uh, we just organized with BDO uh, our breakfast with all of the big um, partners from BDO and, and a bunch of their high net worth clients and we put, uh, in fact, nine of our best small companies in front of them to do a casual 10-minute pitch with a breakfast uh, following. Um, and it was an absolute cracker, and I felt absolutely inadequate, but so, so happy um, with the job that they did, and they're, they're fucking amazing companies yeah. and yeah. super founders. Yeah, great, great. So that's the, that's actually feeds into what we're talking about on Telltale, because the story kind of starts there, right, with the members. Mm. What are some of the most amazing things that you've seen your members do? I think, I mean, just because it's fresh in my mind, I wouldn't mind uh, touching on the companies that were pitching this morning. Uh, they're really fantastic. And, and what really uh, touches my heart is, is people who really sacrifice uh, things in their life um, to try and make uh, a red hot go of it. And I think that this kind of common purpose came along after I met uh, a man named Tim Fairfax, uh, who obviously inherited quite some money. And I was sitting uh, at dinner with him at, a, at Business Awards, and we were just chatting and he told me that he worked from 4.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night, up to six days a week. Uh, and he's a trained lawyer, and 80% of his time is uh, pro bono work. And I said to him, are you fucking insane? Like, you work the same hours as I do, and you have unlimited money. You can do whatever you want. He's got great family. Everything's great. I mean, from the outside, obviously. And he said to me, almost word for word, look, Jock, if you're put on earth in a position um, as fortunate as I am, 
and you don't make something real of it and make an impact on the people around you, then you might as well not be alive. And that's kind of the motto that, that has you know, driven me throughout Little Tokyo 2. And I think the origination of it was I wanted to work alongside people, maybe not as high as, as Tim, but really incredible people with that kind of drive and purpose, the right ethics and, and morals. And I wanted to do everything I could to, to support them. And over the last two years, we've been able to produce companies that, that pitched this morning, um, like Euthermic. Euthermic's founder, Ryan and Ryan Tattle, uh, who's one of my best friends, and his brother, Alex Tattle, uh, they come from New Zealand, uh, and they really like the outdoors, and it's obviously quite cold in New Zealand. They thought they, there must be a better way to continuously stay, stay warm. So they ended up through spending $200,000 after selling their house, 37 iterations, two years, uh, and 8,000 customer tests. Uh, building a product called Cold Screen, uh, which keeps you warm That's in the right. snow, even if you're in a shirt. Uh, we had an, another guy um, pitch this morning, James Fielding. They've just launched a company called Ordera. He's been working on this piece of technology for since I've ever met him, and, and long before that. And basically, in, I mean, in my terms, the way I could describe it is when Dr. Dre produces a piece of music, Dr. Dre hears it the way Dr. Dre wants to hear it. But then when the three of us hear it, we hear it differently because our sort of like our audio makeup is different, right? So they produce this piece of technology that can basically, I, I suppose, map or analyze your audio makeup. And you can listen to two, two versions. Version A, the way you normally would listen to it. And then version B, the way Dr. Dre actually produced it. And it is phenomenal, uh, the difference. That's fantastic. Yeah, they actually balance out the sound yeah. based on your hearing. It's, hey, it's, it's out of control. Really cool. It's absolutely out of That's control. That's actually awesome. How's yeah. their Kickstarter going? Uh, they, I mean, I didn't check towards the end. I think their original goal was 100 grand and they'd done about 250 yeah. oh, in the fantastic. first couple That's of days. That's Dr. Dre money. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dr. Dre money. He's got yeah. that in his wallet. That's so, yeah. yeah, maybe in his coin purse. Uh, <laughs> But yes, I mean, they, they absolutely nailed it and they've been over in the US pitching to, to big groups and, and I mean, they've been talking to guys, I'm not allowed to talk about it too much, but you know, 100,000 units a week, 100,000 units a month, volumes like that, which are unheard of for a, a yeah, group as young as they are. It's incredible, it's incredible. Let's, let's take that idea and just rip it right back to the, to the start of Little Tokyo 2, just to paint a picture for you. When you walk into the capital, and Little Tokyo 2 has um, sites in Spring Hill, the city... Feature Terrace, Springfield, South Bank. Switch. Yeah, Springfield. Yeah, yeah so there's five counties. Five counties. So we're in the city. In the particular one we walk into, you walk in and there's kimonos hanging on the wall. There's plaques that tell the story of these things. From the moment you walk in here, you're actually part of the Little Tokyo 2 story. How does that help your members? And how does that help Little Tokyo 2? I think uh, the, the idea around what we did, uh, uh, particularly with the kimonos on the wall, was, was really to address why we exist and present our why. Everyone knows the Simon Sinek, you know, yep. you know, sell your why kind of thing. And that's really how we survived to date. I mean, the, the real story is when I'd, when I'd come back from Europe, uh, I was trying to figure out when I, what I wanted to do, and I definitely wanted it to be something that was impact-based. I'd done some pretty, pretty awesome 
BD work uh, over in Europe and I had an amazing board and so on. So I knew how to get in front of the right people and sort of sell whatever the dream was. And I'd asked all of my friends what they were up to and how they were going. They all said the same things, bored, uh, unmotivated, lonely, lost at home, no one giving them direction, no one bouncing their ideas off, all these kinds of things. And I, I said to them, well, I got the money from the shoes. What if I buy a place, you guys live there, pay rent, and in return, I'll be your BD. So if you want to get in front of uh, the Lord Mayor or, you know, CEO of Optus or whatever it is, I'll make it happen. And they thought that was a great idea as long as we could drink beer. And I said, yeah, cool, no problem. <laughs> That's the key to every startup, That's the right? key, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so we, we, I kind of went looking and we actually were going for a teppanyaki dinner, three of us. And we walked into the original little Tokyo restaurant in Spring Hill. Uh, it had been operating 50 years, but in that particular building for 40. Uh, and when I walked in, a developer that I recognized had walked out and he just pitched a unit block to Michiko. Michiko was 97 at the time, standing there in that orange kimono right there, holding a sake cup and crying. And I just came up and I was like, oh, three people for teppanyaki. Anyway, I got, ended up having this kind of like massive DNM with her and she said, I don't want to lose my legacy just to, to a unit block. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in uni block, unit blocks. I want to create this thing for my friends who are going to hang out and I'm going to help them build you know the rest of their lives um, from this place and anyway within like that it obviously she connected with that and I said look I'll keep the name and the color and the furniture and the structure and you can eat here forever for free uh, and that's probably the the lie that I'm gonna introduce <laughs> toward the end but she she connected with that and she's like sure and I said look this is all the money that I have uh, I you know I can't spend I think the building's worth 4.1 million now. Uh, I couldn't spend that kind of money. And anyway, within two days, uh, we'd made an agreement and I took the building uh, and off we went. And just like any small company should, I built my offering or my product or my service based on exactly what my customers wanted. So my 10 mates at that time, said that they wanted some mentorship and they wanted these kinds of events. Which is like the perfect sample of people. Right? It's, I mean, in, in theory, it probably isn't because your mates are always gonna, your mates and your family are always gonna tell you what you wanna hear, but I, I knew I could deliver exactly what they wanted. And I knew obviously from my you know, high school upbringing in, in Brisbane and the people I was connected to, there was plenty of them that would do it. But my original aspiration wasn't that big. It was really to have a house where we just fucked around and, and well, helped each other out. Which is my comment about the perfect sample of people because like you would get to get the piss with those guys. Which yeah. Is great. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. In a cool as hell building. Yeah, exactly. So, Jock, you've created this space where startups, they, they want to be a part of your story. They come here, there's other co-working spaces, but you guys are killing it. Like, everybody knows it. Can you tell us about some of the elements that make up your brand for getting you know the the style in here what are some of the things that you do to really engage the startups once they're here those kind of like added value moments for them you know it's not just co-working space like yeah. you said like what's everything else that you offer for them that really helps them to be a part of your story so one of the there's a multitude of things that we do but one of the key elements that i just want to point out um so that everyone understands in my belief, there's two kinds of startups or small companies and their endeavors. There's one version which is a unicorn, uh, and so we could 
you know, say a big unicorn might be a Snapchat. So they have a ma massive market cap. Their outgoings are generally more than their income uh, or their revenue. And basically their idea is to inject bulk money into it, capture as much of a target audience they can. And then their hypothesis is sooner or later they'll figure out a way to monetize it, turn on the tap, it'll catch it all back up. And then it's just crazy vertical you know, growth. It's not very sustainable, uh, that kind of company, and it's based completely on hypothesis. Um, so backing it in the stock market, for, for me, I think is fucking crazy um, because it's a unicorn, it doesn't exist, right? Whereas there's another kind of com uh, company which I would cast as a zebra, and a large zebra uh, for, let's say, in Queensland or Brisbane standards would be Flight Centre, uh, if not the most successful business as Queensland business story ever, ever. Truly incredible company. A zebra is black and white, obviously. Uh, they make money and they use that money for sustainable growth. Uh, and so a company like Flight Center has particular um, employees there that have loved and been part of that journey for 26 years. I think that's the longest standing one currently uh, beyond the CEO screw. So we concentrate on the zebras. We do probably have some um, people who would like to be unicorns or, or go down that route, but particularly in Australia, that's not really the style, I think, and, and many of the other spaces that we, in you know, quotation, uh, compete against are trying to create unicorns or push that sort of startup route. So we just say small companies or, you know, whatever. So the two things that really make us different from any, anywhere else, uh, which I think you probably wouldn't be able to understand unless you'd been part of the experience, are uh, one, how heavily we vet the community. Uh, we've had instances when we had maybe 250 members and we took a chance on one guy uh, and he just didn't fit at all. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and within three days, I had 60 messages on my phone asking who that guy was, why he's here, what's the go. And so we have particular checkboxes, I'd say, um, for the members that come in here. And really, they're just, they're just let's call them good people checkboxes. And it's really want to make an impact, not just money. Understand it's about helping each other to grow. There's non-compete and all these kinds of things. You know, clean up your own dishes, must like puppies. Stuff like that. Which is a key. Must Which is a, abs, abs, absolute, <laughs> key. absolute key. So that, yeah. that's the number one. And, and that's what has attracted enterprise to us and many other people because we're just really real and straight and we're all just about good people. We have not a single fuckwit in this place. I can guarantee it because I would have scoped them out already. So that's, that's the key. That's number one key. And number two is what we would you know, like to say is personalized business support. Obviously, I told the story um, from the beginning around what we were trying to, to do, just helping my mates in any way I could to grow. And that exact same essence carries on to today. In fact, we have two full-time staff dedicated solely to making sure the experience for our members is great in the space, of course, but in a you know, goal and KPI reaching capacity. So if someone joins, it's compulsory. You set one, three and six month goals. Every two weeks, we sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and make sure that everything's cool. And at any other time, you can reach us out to us via our chat channel or, or Superglue and ask for favors. And if you are you know, at the stage where you're ready to meet 
you know, Sam Kennedy, the head of innovation um, for Australian Optus, will make that work for you. Uh, and that's kind of become the power of why we're staying to Southeast Queensland and you know, how our company's been able to grow so well. So those two things uh, make it really different, a really different experience to anyone else. Um, but if you want to put it really plainly, we're shared workspaces with personalised business support for passionate people trying to do something for themselves. And we have four really core elements of the company. Obviously we have spaces which are like the catalyst for the magic, where people meet, meet each other and actually do the work. Uh, we run a bunch of programs, startup programs, um, small business programs, creative programs. We have software we build internally to link it all together. And then we do a bunch of out, uh, enterprise work, which really, in its plainest sense, is we are an outsourced innovation, startup and investment support arm for a, for a larger company that doesn't have the resources or the know-how um, to get involved in this kind of space. Sure. Okay. So. If, to wrap it up, once again, I, I want to paint the picture because I do find this place super cool. You've got a fantastic brand in Little Tokyo too. You've got a fantastic brand presence and a brand story that surrounds us. What's the one thing you would tell marketers who are trying to do that for their business? What's the one tip you would give them? Uh, the, you know, by far the most important thing is to build out your product or your service or your company with with your customer base or with your target market. Uh, if you build a product that people kind of like and then you attempt to scale it, people will only ever like that company or that product. If you build out a product with the perfect customer exactly the way they want it, you're really involved with them uh, and you build a product that they love, you can scale love and I think that's the most important part. Never assume always question, always ask and, and develop it like, you know, with a customer centric attitude and you'll be just fine. That really comes back to audience first. Hey, you had the audience there and then you developed the product totally. to fit what they wanted. 100%. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jock. We've come to the, the point in the story where I want to know what the biggest clangor is you've ever told, that the little white lie. Is it going to be, what, were we what did you say before? Um, so there's, there's, I mean, there's plenty of clangers, I suppose. <laughs> as, a, as a startup founder or a hustler or whatever the fuck you want to call me, you've always got to over-exaggerate something uh, to get the deal across the line, but it's important, obviously, to deliver on it, which we have. Uh, one thing that's super relevant to the company, I think, is when I promised Michiko uh, that she could eat uh, in Little Tokyo forever for free. Uh, what I didn't tell her was that we were actually changing the restaurant to a Chinese restaurant. Uh, oh, oh my God, Jock! And was that strategic or was uh, that an accident? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was giving. I was giving good. I mean, we didn't know what we were going to do with the like the restaurant part of it. Obviously, it's got a big commercial kitchen. The I had a friend, a long-term um, friend, who had always wanted to start a, a restaurant. And I wanted to give him a shot, but also in a risk-averse sense, I wanted uh, kind of a safety net with the rent he would pay me instead of having to fill more seats because we didn't know if what we were going to do was going to work. Um, she doesn't care. Uh, she comes in uh, bi-monthly and just literally walks around and then leaves. Doesn't say hello to anyone, just walks around Does she and has eat? a look. 
Doesn't eat. Doesn't eat. Not uh, interested. Not, not that that me, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, Just even for our listeners, the restaurant is Happy Boy. Yeah, that's yes, right. Which is really successful it is. and really popular in Brisbane, it is in Spring Hill. Provincial Chinese yeah. uh, restaurant. And just just to finish, uh, I mean, yeah, that I mean that's not the the greatest lie of all time, but it got the deal across the line, and she's happy. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention, I don't know if you do get other business owners or, or whatever onto this podcast, but it would be fair to say that I lie every single day. Uh, and the one thing that I lie about is when people ask me how I am and how everything's going and so on. Uh, as the leader of an organization, as uh, an entrepreneur and as someone who uh, takes a lot of risks and wants to build something truly impactful, uh, you have to live in a constant state of flux. Uh, things are always changing, you always have to be ahead and you can never ever show anything that's going on. Uh, and the last, particularly the last three weeks, in fact, have been fucking intense. In fact, probably the most intense three weeks I've ever had as part of this organization and that's like with personal, team, product, la la, the list goes on, you know. Every, everything just happened at once, it rained, poured for three weeks. And almost every day people ask me how I am and how everything's going and the answer must always be great. Everything's good, everything's cool. Because everyone here relies on you know, my strength to make sure when they're in trouble, I can help them, same with my staff and so on. Uh, and through my previous story, I developed huge problems with anxiety and I face it almost every day. I mean, I'm, I'm really strong with it now, but still probably every day I face real trouble and no matter who you are at any time, family or what, and you ask me, I'm always great. Jock Fairweather, thank you for being on the Telltale Podcast. Brittany, thanks for joining us as always. We'll be back next week with another one. People out there, don't forget to tell your tale and thank you very much for listening. Telltale is part of the Content Division Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or stream it from the contentdivision.com.au forward slash podcast. Thank you.